Welcome to Conversations with Leaders, Ask the Strategists. I'm Jake Burns, and I'm joined by my colleagues, Brian Landerman and Ashit Veshojani. Closing the loop on governance, we discuss the question, is a cloud center of excellence necessary? And as a leader, when do you need to make this decision? Brian, Ashit, welcome back. Hey, Jake. Hey, Jake. How are you doing? I'm doing great. So uh, last time we had a, a, a real interesting spirited discussion about... Um, well, it started off about what are the one-way doors uh, in a transformation, but we really kind of focused on uh, on governance. And it was kind of my assertion that governance was a one-way door decision. And you guys kind of opened my mind a little and had me kind of question that. I don't know if we'll solve that problem, but you know, I'll say this. One of the kind of decisions that uh, customers need to make or feel they need to make early in their decision is uh, building their cloud center of excellence. Um and this is something that I've seen customers get kind of stuck on. I don't know if it's a one-way door or two-way door, but it certainly um, ties in with governance. So what do you guys think? Is, is, is a CCOE necessary? And if so, is this something you have to have decided ahead of time before you start moving full force with your migration? It's funny that you bring up CCOE, Jake, uh, because uh, apparently in the last couple of weeks, I've had many conversations with customers uh, about CCOE um, and not just when they are starting out, right? Uh, I think also when they reach certain stage in their journey, how should that evolve? Uh, should that model uh, remain the same when they were starting out uh, as they reach certain scale or should that change? So um, I think it's a, it's a pretty, at least for me, it's a pretty timely topic uh, based on what I've been hearing from the customers. To answer your question, we had a team. This was a cross-functional team. Uh, it was a very small team that started out to accelerate our cloud journey. Um, and it was a team that consisted of people from infrastructure, development, um, finance, PMO, um, and other functions, uh, and had the sponsorship um, from from the executive team. So you could, you could call it CCOE. We didn't call it. CCOE, um, but um, that certainly is something that we used. Um, and there are, you know, there are approaches that I've seen work. There are approaches that uh, we, there are lessons that we learn hard way. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with you that um, the cross-functional bit is really important, and um, I don't really care what you call it either. But I think what a CCOE typically accomplishes could or is very natural. Right. And could organically happen where if you went and said, OK, I've got my first workload and I need to, to get in, get it into the cloud, you'd naturally have to pull in somebody from security and somebody from infrastructure and whatever else. And so you'd you'd end up with this cross-functional team trying to figure out what that would look like, at least hopefully. But I think formalizing it is really important and um, ch changing their mission. Right. And, and, and the reporting structure, because I think going back to conversations we've had in the past about how you're incentivized and if you're expecting, you know, different outcomes, different behaviors, and, and you haven't changed the, how folks are incentivized, then you're, you're unlikely to achieve that. And so the example I, I would give and, and not, I hate to pick on security, but, um, you know, I feel like in a lot of a lot of cases, security is viewed as restrictive, and uh, you know, a culture of no. And I don't. How do you break that down? And how do you get get the security team to think differently about how to secure solutions and how to automate um, their concerns if they're still sitting in that organization, that culture of no, 
right? So you kind of have to break people out of the old way. And, and that's where I think the formalizing it, bringing it under a, a, um, a leader that has this cross-functional team that's really focused on that broader mission. I think that is what's really important. So Brian, you, you actually organizationally moved them on day one. Like, did you actually? No, not on day okay. one. And I'm saying that not, we didn't necessarily move anyone from security into the team, right? But I think if yeah, if I could do it over again, though, um, I might. And you know, so we we had to tackle our security modernization in a different way because it wasn't kind of part of the central effort. Right, we were still working with the security team in its own its old shape. Oh, we brought in like a finance partner. A finance partner came into the CCOE. We brought in architecture. We brought in uh, development managers, right? That knew team tooling and um, you know different agile and, and DevOps practices that various teams were working on. And so there was a broad set of skills and perspectives on the team, so that it, we ended up with a well rounded approach. So. I get, it'd probably be useful to kind of define, and I wonder, I'm, I'm super curious if we'll all have the same answer or not on this. Like, what is the function of the CCOE? Mm. What is the purpose of it? I think I think for me, um, it was, and this is not going to be a succinct answer of here is a purpose <laughs> statement, right? So I'm going to give you... <laughs> I'm going no, to, give me the reality. Yeah, messy. I'm, go- that's what I'm going to give you... <laughs> it's messy. I'm going to give you sort of why... I formed that team and what I was looking to accomplish with that team, right? One was, um, to Brian's point, a lot of decisions that you have to make um, in cloud. We, we, are not, we were not just trying to move to cloud, right? We were actually trying to break, break down the silos where work was being thrown over the wall, right, as well all the time. So our dev team will fill out a 22-page form, uh, raise a ticket to an infrastructure team, it wasn't really 22 pages, was it? It was really 22 pages. It was. Oh, my gosh, yes. dude. Uh, to the infrastructure team. And and then they'll, they'll sit in many, many meetings about questions. Things will come back and back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, right? Um, so the idea was to, A, make decisions very quickly, right? So we, we wanted to, the reason I brought in cross-functional team and empowered them and gave them this mission was so that they can get in a room and they all shared a common goal. So for that yes. period, they lost, I am a developer, I'm an infrastructure, I'm a security, but they became this part of CCOE, if you want to call it that, if you want to call it something else, be be my guest. But the idea was you are responsible for moving this to cloud uh, and make decision, figure it out, get in a room, figure it out what needs to be resolved. So that was number one. So Isha, the thing that I love about that, it's you're really focusing on the skills and experience of the individuals, not who or what they serve. Correct. And, and I think that's huge. Anyway, Correct. Go, go on number two. Yeah. Number two was in a way, there were a lot of unanswered questions for us, right? We, uh, Honestly, we didn't know. Looking back, it all looks like a nice, smooth, well-thought-out process, right? But it didn't start that way, right? We had the desire, but we didn't have a blueprint to uh, as to how to go about it, right? Because it's a completely different way of approaching that. And that's where we, um, we wanted a team that can not only make quick decisions, but also had diversity of skill set that can actually help figure something out and set the set the stage for others to adopt, right? So in, in some ways, think about that as the very first sort of product DevOps team. Eventually, though, 
um, and and similar to Brian, I didn't move people out of their orgs, right? So they still continue to report into, at least when we started, to whatever org that they belong in, right? Mm-hmm. At some point, that team itself became our cloud platform engineering team, some call it. We called it uh, cloud DevOps and data team, right? That was our sort of, that was a full stack up and down. They manage pretty much all layers uh, of of engineering, building, moving us to cloud, but that became that that took shape over a period of time, right? Or when we started out, it was a cross-functional team, and people continued to report into whatever areas that they reported into. But they came together around this common mission. It's a useful model, kind of regardless of cloud, honestly, right? Is is you're talking about bringing in diversity of thought and skills and giving a, them a common mission to solve a, a challenge that you're experiencing more broadly. And I think that model in general is a, is a great one. And certainly you scale it out and you end up with, you know, more specific roles and whatever else. But as a starting point, when, when you have that really complex, gnarly problem, it feels like a very obvious approach, but it's, I think, uh, sometimes not that obvious. I'm just curious because my question kind of was, what is the purpose of the CCOE? So I just want to kind of clarify, make sure mm-hmm. I understand what you're saying. Um, are you saying that you're taking, uh, you're building a cross-functional team or virtual team around a single purpose, around a single mission, like uh, move to cloud? Is that is that the purpose? I'll, I'll try to summarize my long-winded points that I made. That's why I said I won't have a succinct answer, but now I think I can <laughs> I can probably summarize it. The purpose was a figure out quickly what needed to be figured out and couldn't be figured out sitting in silos. You had to communicate with a lot of other people because. This wasn't a traditional project where you create a budget, start the analysis of three to six months, then fill out the forms, then somebody gives you infrastructure, then you start writing your code and so on and so on. So number one was get in a room or figure out what needed to be figured out to set the foundation to move fast. Second uh, was accelerate decision making, right? So that because you are around common mission, you're not saying, well, I'm security, I'm infrastructure, I'm app dev. That means this is how my process works. You are in charge of creating new process of how we should be doing this across the board. So that's your mission, right? And you're doing that not on paper, but you are actually doing that by building the foundational layer that other would start using. So how you set up the lending zone, VPC, the, the guardrails to start with, would be in some way the first test of how products would be built, even though it is not a product in a traditional definition of a product. So I'll do a shorter, shorter version. <laughs> um, I think for me, it was about uh, creating connectivity within the organization, making sure that efforts were coordinated uh, across teams and that uh, we were enabling our, our transformation. So it was very much about uh, training the team, about managing the AWS relationship and the partners and like knowing when a problem came up, knowing knowing who to go to, right? I think the the average developer that was encountering a new problem didn't know, you know, they didn't even know we had an SA at, at, at AWS as an example, right? Or um, uh, that we had, you know, training credits and whatever else, or that we had... Um, you know, access to, to different experts, you know, like we, we used somebody to help us with our Oracle databases. It was, so it was like kind of coordinating in that way and making sure that people had what they needed when they needed it. But also um, we had a big org, 
you know, and, and it was largely assembled through acquisitions. And for the most part, you sat in your location, which you're surrounded by people that were part of a company that's now part of this bigger company. And you didn't know anything kind of outside of your walls. And so we need, we also needed to, to kind of give them a bridge to the rest of the org that was learning or, um, you know, maybe had in, encountered something that, that was relevant to them. And so, that was a big part of it for me too, was making sure we weren't reinventing the wheel and that we weren't um, w- wasting time by kind of searching for answers. Now, Jake, you you didn't have a CCO, right? So how did you do it? Yeah. So I'm trying to figure out kind of what the keys to success here are um, in, in regards to kind of first steps and, you know, governance and all of that. Um, and it, it feels like CCOE or some form of it is a key component, but then, yeah, you look at my uh, journey to the cloud and there was no CCOE, but what, what was there, right? There was a relatively small team with a singular mission, um, under a leader who was accountable and, and motivated to accomplish that mission. Um, and, and, and maybe those are the components that are needed and maybe you form a CCOE when you don't have that as kind of like a virtual way to do it. Yeah. I think this speed of your migration was the other part, right? Like you put your head down and you were moving everything. And for us, you know, the business case I built was for 10 data centers. They were our most costly data centers, but that was 10 out of, um, it wasn't 52 production data centers, you know, running, running our customer workloads, but like we had 52 data centers. So it was more like enabling the organization to onboard when they, they, when it was appropriate, making sure that we could go full steam ahead and everyone was, was targeting the cloud, but then only a subset that was really aggressively moving. So it was a, a different situation where you had to support people in different levels of maturity and, and different, uh, some, some were backed by migration and like the priority was to migrate to close a data center. And the other was like, Hey, I have this customer problem. I need to build this new feature, but my database, you know, isn't performing and I need to shard my data and Hey, this is a pretty gnarly architectural problem. Maybe now's a good time to migrate it. Yeah. Right. And, and, and re-architect it in a new way. So, so that diversity of challenges, I think, are, are what really required us to have that supporting function. Yeah. And you mentioned speed. I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that because I think that was kind of a reason for a lot of the decisions that we made, especially early on. And in my mind, you know, kind of what we did, you know, I'm hearing you guys talk about kind of uh, including others from uh, other parts of the organization, finance, infosec, et cetera, um, perhaps procurement, um, but um, for me, it was kind of like um, that would take too long. So instead, we're just going to route around the problem. And cloud was such a like big enabler for us. Like once we had kind of access to cloud and we understood like what the capabilities were, you know, in AWS, uh, which is, you know, wh- wh- the platform we were using, um, we realized that we kind of don't need procurement. We kind of don't need finance. We kind of don't need InfoSec. I mean, from a purely technical perspective of getting this done. Um, now, I would say that those functions were necessary. And uh, the way it kind of sorted out was we took on those functions initially. So like the world became a lot smaller because we had a zero footprint in cloud. But within this footprint, within this world, we were procurement. We were finance. We were InfoSec. We were all of these functions. Um, and And as that grew... You know, of course, we were going to have to get, you know, uh, move those functions back out to the greater organization. But that gave those parts of the organization outside of the cloud services team, uh, you know, a chance to kind of come up to speed and order. And so it was a smooth, long handoff um, that happened over a very long period of time. 
So by when you took on those functions, how did you make sure that so you were doing it the right way? But I mean, yeah, you know, uh, infrastructure engineering team taking on infosec, not being infosec ex- experts. Did you do a good job? That's a great question. Yeah. Well, so here's the thing. So you have infosec who's highly skilled and experienced with security, but not cloud security. Um, and then I had a team who was, um, becoming very quickly, uh, very skilled in cloud. And that part of that was security. I mean, as you guys know, um, security is kind of built in with cloud. It's very integrated into everything that you do. So you can't really bolt on security after the fact. And so for them to become good cloud engineers, they had to become good cloud security engineers just by, uh, it's just kind of baked into it. And so that was part of what they learned. They also had to learn how to, to some degree, uh, manage cloud costs. So, you know, kind of like the annual budgeting that we're doing would have never kind of fit the model that we were using where we were moving to cloud very aggressively. So we kind of invented new models of tracking spend and managing costs. And then we would push that eventually back out to finance and kind of train them on how to do that and integrate it into kind of the way that they did things. But it just wasn't a fit from the beginning. So, um, they were just better equipped, I would I would say, to do it, especially to do it quickly. Where did you get the budget from, Jake? Where did the money come from? Yeah, it's uh, this is a long story behind this, but um, there wasn't much money. We've got all day, Jake. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, one of the re- one of the ways uh, my my journey is unique is that we didn't have a migration bubble, and that was because it was a constraint that was forced upon me. Um, I had a flat budget, frozen headcount, um, so I had to redirect money from elsewhere in order to do that, and it was a juggling act, and it's not something. That that I recommend uh, customers do. It's not necessarily like from a risk perspective, the best way to go um, if you have a choice. But I would say it's probably more risky to go too far the other direction um, and to kind of have a large budget for your cloud migration. Um, those, are the, those are the migrations that I see, you know, go slowly or, or, you know, kind of stall out. The ones that have too many resources. It's kind of counterintuitive, but I think the, the, the constraints are a key component. I, I was listening to a podcast with some really great guys that were talking about the power of constraints. <laughs> um, it seems seems fitting for this. Do we know them? We, I think we might. I'm a big believer in that. It's like one of those things where like when you're in it, you don't like it. But, you know, as uh, as you, you know, you're on the other side of it looking back, it's like, wow, that was without that. I don't know if we would have been successful. Yeah. Yes. You know, so it's kind of you wouldn't wish that upon yourself, but you kind of need it. And so I tell customers, you know, if you don't have those constraints, like naturally create them artificially, you know, make some deadlines, uh, you know, uh, your budget doesn't have to be completely flat, but whatever you think you need, like cut it in half, you know, reduce it to a third, something like that. And then if it really is impossible, um, which it won't be to, to proceed in that manner, then you can kind of manage those exceptions. But I think you need to start at like, let's start at a flat budget. Let's start at a deadline that seems unattainable and work from there. Uh, and that was kind of the approach we took. It wasn't by choice, but, um, and by the way, you know, there was a few budget overruns, not by a lot there, we did not make the deadline completely. We shot for 12 months. It took 17, but it, I, I believe that if we didn't have those constraints, then it would have cost more and it would have taken longer. And so it's kind of one of those things where you kind of aim high, miss the mark and accomplish something great. I think uh, I think the key pattern that uh, that maybe uh, applies here is it, it seems like you were you you were setting the constraint to close the data center and move to cloud as soon as possible. Right. And go all in. I think for us, moving to cloud was never a goal. It was not a goal at all. Right. The goal was 
actually to say, how do I create products faster? How do I open offices globally quicker? How do I actually build better insight into customer data? How do I make content rights available faster? And so our cloud was an enabler in all of that, right? So we didn't even set out and say, the goal is to get off these data centers in six months or three months, right? Um, That doesn't mean it was open-ended. There were there were other deadlines and constraints imposed, but they were not imposed based on cloud move, right? Uh, because one of the things that I I felt starting out was uh, because we did move few applications, right? And that's great, good win. Um, but you know, if you're still filling out those twenty-two page forms or you know something similar, uh, you, if your release and the release time is not decreased, um, if you're not actually Building new capabilities in your business at the same time, then I think it, it's, it, there's, there's benefit actually is limited. Um, and so because we were trying to drive that much broader change with where cloud was part of it, but a different way of working, I think I erred on the side of being more inclusive in terms of I want to change not just for cloud, but in general, how finance operates. I want to change not just for this cloud project, but in general, how we procure or how we think about buying uh, products versus building them. Um, and, and I think cloud was almost a catalyst to actually do that because it's such a powerful way to show it very quickly rather than, rather than picking some other projects, some other initiative to drive that change. Yeah. And I think ultimately our goals were the same, right? It's just that um, we kind of approached it a little differently. We kind of understood very early on, or at least, you know, our our CEO did. um, And I felt that I did that, you know, cloud was going to enable those things. And so we just said, you know, instead of having these, um, these kind of more abstract goals that you just, which are the real goals, the ones you articulated, um, we're going to, just create some constraints here and just say, look, we know if we if we move everything to cloud that we're going to have these capabilities and we're going to be forced to change in these ways that are going to benefit the business. And it, it required a little bit of foresight. But then we just said, OK, so then the goals get out of the data center because that's holding us back. So I think it was kind of similar in, in that way. Yeah. To, to clarify, we did we did put. Uh, specific goals around it, right? So they they weren't what I talked about as, hey, we want to build new products, right? It was to say, I want to bring down availability of rights from two weeks to two hours. That's the goal, right? Now, does that involve moving application to cloud, building new product? Yes, it does. Does it involve making some org changes and in, in have information flow? Well, it involves that too. Right. So we did set specific goals, but they were more around. I want to make sure that we do zero downtime deployment. Did we ever hit that? We hardly ever hit that for majority of our applications. But what it forced us to do was to say we were taking six hours on a Saturday. Well, now we are taking two hours on Tuesday, Wednesday and Friday. Right. So now we are deploying three times a week rather than once a week for six hours. Uh, so it it made that much, much better. I definitely agree about it not making it about cloud um, specifically, but I 
And and for us, it was about being able to more easily integrate our products because that's what our customers needed. They had all of these solutions and and their as part of their operations that didn't connect to each other and share data and, and automate things that should be automated. But I think you do need to be specific about how you achieve that and why, right? Because I think you could arguably say, okay, well, we want to be able to better integrate our products. And you're like, well, great. I can I can implement a private cloud and and Kubernetes and do all of this stuff and and yeah you can orchestrate and get get a lot of the things that that on paper are the same as cloud right but at the end of the day when you really dig into the the differences of the two approaches it's significant and um, so I think I like to be really specific about well no we're going to AWS and we're going to embrace cloud native functionality for these reasons like these are the these are the principles or whatever that support those decisions but but I'm telling you about these decisions very clearly right because this is what is important um i think i think too i've seen a lot of a lot of companies have too much freedom right like we're going to agile but i'm not gonna we're not gonna like talk about what that specifically means like you can have your own flavor and you can have your own flavor and and to some extent that's okay there there you need some freedom but if, if you don't have a shared set of of outcomes that that you're driving towards and and implementing things that do really matter and do really make a difference you'll you won't end up in the right spot and so I think, you know, I've been talking a lot to, to one of our colleagues about um, diving deep and getting into the engine room, you know, and, and kind of really understanding what's going on and understanding the nuances of some of these decisions and why we do things. And so not not to kind of go on a tangent, but I think I think you're right. We we need to pull it back and say, OK, well, what are the the business reasons for this decision and direction? What are we trying to ultimately achieve that we can measure from a business impact perspective? But then also let's get really specific about like what we're actually going to do and why and be very intentional. Yeah, ag- agreed. And I think that's that's where the constraint that Jake talked about comes, right? So uh, in our case, right, what we said is here are the goals. And from this day on, we are not making any on-premises purchase at all. So that's your constraint. And we are going to do it on AWS Cloud. So that's so here is the goal, here is the constraint, right? Um and it 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 kind of has to go uh, with that um so that it doesn't just become open-ended goal. Because I, I do think in a lot of customer conversation, we see this um especially in some of the large companies, we see the this marketplace, right? Almost like going to shop model, right? Where they have a substantial cloud investment. They also have still a lot of uh, on-premises assets and the direction is these generic goals, but then each business unit product can make a decision to say, do I want to put it on-premises or on the cloud, right? Um, and that is where you end up with, actually, it, it's like saying, well, I have the, you know, I'm going to buy Ferrari, but I'm going to replace the engine with the slowest car that is available there. You know what I mean? So Sounds amazing. <laughs> Don't do that. Going back to what Ashit and I were talking about here, which I think we're kind of talking about different ways of looking at the same thing. Um, my my uh, way of looking at it, or at least my example was, I tie the business outcome to the technology outcome, and then we track the technology outcome. And then therefore, we see kind of the business value as we move forward, right? So if we can all agree that um, getting out of the data center is going to have X, Y, and Z kind of benefits to the business, then we can now track how many systems we've moved out of the data center, how close we are to that goal. And therefore, we're closer to the goal of being able to get these benefits. Yes, but right, like even in that example, you go and say, okay, well, what was the what was the business objective ultimately? And 
you know, let's say it was that you need to be able to um, release improvements more frequently. Mm-hmm. Closing the data center, you go and say, well, hey, cloud can enable that because we can automate everything and whatever else. If, if what you end up focusing on is closing the data center, and that's what you're measuring is your speed at which you close the data center, you may not automate everything on the other end, which which then means that you don't you can't deliver features as quickly as you want. So that's that's where I think it's a slippery slope. And and um, I'm not trying to pick on your example, but I think it's just a good one to like that's where the nuances are. And it's really important to like make sure you are, in fact, connected to the right objective. But if you get out of the data center, you'll have the capabilities necessary to do those things. And if you don't, you won't. So, <laughs> you know true. what I mean? So I think a lot it's of customers true. fall into this trap where they kind of, they don't focus on that kind of technology um, goal. And then they never reach the finish line. They never get those capabilities, right? So I would rather like have a have a metric that I'm going towards that at least I know once I get to that metric, maybe I haven't achieved those business goals, but now I'm in a position where I can achieve those business goals rather than risk never getting those because I'm trying all of these other things that might get me there, but I'm not making forward progress. Yeah, I agree, right? You fall into the trap, like perfect is the enemy of good. And I think in, in all of this conversation that we've had, um, the concern I have, right, is that you focus so much on um, all of these concerns, there's like so many things to figure out and, and, and worry about. And you're, what I like about your approach in general that you've shared is you were, were absolutely focused on speed. Not, not that you weren't focused on doing it well, but you were, you were making progress and that was your objective. And, um, too many companies are trying to like perfect it and think it all through and cover all the risks and, you know, whatever else. And it, 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 some of those companies are still planning right years, years down the road. And I think that's, there's a, there's a middle ground there for sure. Right. It's not running with scissors. Um, but it's also not like not waiting too long to make a move. I go a little bit towards closer towards running with scissors, but not all the way there because like you mentioned something interesting, like, um, you were going fast not that you weren't doing it well, but I would say, no, we weren't doing it well in the first pass, but we were doing it well enough. And we knew if we, if we got it done, then we'd be in a position to where we could get it perfect. Right. And so it was kind of just like focusing on one goal instead of 20 goals, got us to a place where we could achieve those other 19 things also. Yeah. So I think there's a really interesting topic there to come back to, because I think that I know personally, and I've talked to a bunch of customers that have fear, right, that if they don't do it the first time, like they're not going to get a second chance, you know, that there isn't going to be space to come back and to, to have that continual improvement cycle. And so I think it'd be interesting to talk about either how you did that or, or different techniques that that we can use to um, get the business to move towards that place. In some ways, what we are talking about is having good input measures, right? Closing data center is one of those input measures that then relate to your outcome that you are trying to achieve, right? Uh, and so having ability to define those input measures that then feed into good output measures, I think is the key. Um, to me though, I I don't think that um, there is a trade-off between speed and and actually trying to set your goals that or those input measures that actually start to achieve business outcome quicker. You know what I mean? Because I can have a goal and say um, that even if my entire CI/CD pipeline is not 
automated, that's fine. You know what I mean? I can make that trade-off if I'm prioritizing X business outcome and I define input measure that way. I don't think that just because you move fast, because my challenge is that the change, you want the change that you're trying to drive, you, you want this to be part of that because otherwise you lose an opportunity to, to drive a much bigger change. You will, you will check the boxes, you'll move stuff, you will, you know, modernize, but then you're trying to drive a much bigger change in mindset, mm-hmm. how people work, how people communicate. And I think sometimes when we say, let's first do this, it'll bring us closer. Then we'll come back and actually come about changing that. Uh, this is an opportunity to actually really help people experience new ways. And when you work in cloud, I think it's just such an, such a, mm-hmm. in practice, it is so different and so fast that I think people grasp those con- concepts much quicker uh, if you right. sort of let them in on it. Yeah, well said. So um, do we need a CCOE for this? Uh, yes. <laughs> I, I do think that, uh, again, there, there are always exception scenarios. There are always cases to say, well, you know, we did it with it, you did it without it. But I also think that what you're describing is, not with or without it, you absorb those cross-functional responsibilities and skills for a period of time, right? So you still had those things. It's just that you had it within your team and you built it out and then you spun it out. So what we are talking about is not getting into the nomenclature or the structure. I think what we all agree on, and I think all three of us have a slightly different way we did it, is that you do need cross-functional skill set team and a team that is empowered to make decisions fast and has executive support to move this. And so what I would say is that I think, yes, call it what you want. Don't really care. You need somebody waking up every single day with the mission of the broader organization, not, not of infrastructure or of security or of engineering, but like the broad organization and, and focus on moving it forward. And I think, that ultimately is is probably I will like I'll die on that hill. I think CCOE is a model that is proven over and over again where organizations that have had success that is one of the common things that they've done. Right. So, you know, that's why I would say yes, you need a CCOE because it's a I think if if you listen to how others have done it and you follow recommendations from from the experts on on what it looks like and what they should tackle and whatever else, then I think your likelihood of having success in the cloud goes up. Yep. You need a CCOE function. You don't need to necessarily call it that. It doesn't necessarily have to be in a very specific form, but we do provide a blueprint that we know works um, that you can fall back on. So it's really kind of the the idea of it that's that's most important and like the capabilities. Don't forget to subscribe to our channel and remember to submit your questions on the AWS Executive Insights website or directly to us on LinkedIn, and we'll do our best to answer them in future episodes. See you next time.